Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, I mentioned a few times that in May, I'm going up to Detroit to check out my Tigers in Comerica Park, and I can guarantee you that my sister and I will be using SeatGeek to get some prime seats for those games. SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets anymore, whether I'm going to a game or a concert. I got the app on my phone, and I've been using it just kind of scout some things out, get, get a good feel for it before I purchase my tickets for May. And honestly, what SeatGeek has done is they've taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all available tickets on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate, though, all you got to do is go download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SLEEPER. Welcome to episode 336 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Sunday, April 24th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined as always on Sundays by Mr. Jason Collette. Jason, how's your weekend going, bud? Well, apparently I just spent $202 in Modesto, California on something. Slow but your other roll than that, over at Walgreens, okay? I don't know what the hell you're buying over there. They got a, a lot, lot of Q-tips. Apparently a lot of Q-tips. Okay. But uh, okay. thank, you, thank you, PayPal Security, for uh, quickly reacting, shutting that stuff down. And... Uh, and getting that done. But other than that, uh, I've also come to the conclusion I need to stop making Cy Young predictions because, uh, let's see, be what did we say? Two years ago, Homer Bailey didn't work out. Well, also, last year, we talked some Drew Hutchison mess. That, actually, Homer Bailey that was last, last year. year. No, was it? I thought it was Homer Bailey, Drew Hutchinson in that order. And then this year it was Carlos Carrasco. And, and thanks to that, that infield dirt at your Comerica Park, um, he comes up lame. It, it looks a lot worse than a, strain ham, than a hamstring strain. Sure. I'm just telling you guys that now. Uh, it, it looks worse than that. Um, and, and the thing is, and, and thankfully nobody tried to conflate these two, but if anybody was going to get at me, because I woke up this morning bitching about Charlie Morton going down on the base pass. I mean, it was like worlds colliding. He hurt himself trying to run out of sack bunt. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and it ended up being double play anyhow. But, you know, that was an unnecessary injury because pitchers don't have to hit. Pitchers have to field. It just sucks exactly. that it happened. Exactly. And I didn't even see the play. And then I had to watch it on video. In my, in my head, I'm guessing, oh, I bet you he was trying to take a stab at the bag and trying to get his footwork while you're trying to catch the ball moving. And the, if you think about that, how many no, – no other position really has to do that. At second base, you know where the throw – it's a peg, and it's coming right to you, right? Yep. So if you're trying to cover the bag, that th- the throw is coming right to you. 
but catchers, uh, pitchers have to run over to first base and then look at the ball and then try to look, try to look down at the, at the bag and the ball's coming at a lob. So you got to, it's a lot of, there's a lot of athleticism that goes on in that play. There really is. And, and nobody really talks about that. And the thing, what I would like to see is, I mean, I don't know how many people have been down and have touched a, ba- a major league base. Those things are hard as hell. Mm-hmm. Go back to the old days. People want to talk about going back to the old days of baseball. Go put those old potato sacks they used to have. <laughs> nice, soft bags, but those bags are hard. And uh, it, but he didn't even touch the bag on that one. Because I'm thinking of, like, didn't Tim Hudson hurt, blow his ankle up going on a bag and hit uh, hitting the bag at a funny and somebody stepped on him? Well, yeah, he ran into Eric Young at the same time, too. And, I mean, we see it all the time. Kind of James McCann basically busted up his ankle with it as well. It was a situation where um, – when he hit the bag, he hit it awkwardly, and that was that uh, caused his ankle to be messed up, and so he's out for a while. So it's something that we do see regularly. I think you're hitting on a great point with regards to what it takes for pitchers to be able to do that. It seems like a routine play because we see it all the time, and the guys who can make it look effortless, Mark Burley uh, comes to mind. He's a great fielder, and several others. Dallas Keuchel's a good one these days. Uh, maybe it's something with lefties. But – it is a lot tougher play than I think we give it credit for, and this kind of this kind of bears it out here with with Carlos Carrasco. So you're concerned that this is going to be a longer deal than than just what a, maybe a strained hamstring normally would be. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they put him right to the disabled list, uh, and but the MRI hasn't happened yet. The MRI, he's going back to Cleveland for the MRI tomorrow. My since this was po- po- posting by tomorrow, just saying, it's not going to surprise me. They find something torn that knee. Oh my God. Don't say, I mean, yeah. Hey, believe no, me, no, you're, you're just being, he you're is, just being he honest. He's our ace in, yeah. in uh, labor. We don't want this to happen, I'm but saying, I'm, gonna don't be, say I'm not going to be surprised. I am not going to be surprised if that thing comes back and showing something torn in that leg. Cause I, when they had him on the field and they were watching the bend and you could see the grim, it just, you know, to me, I'm, I'm going to be surprised if there's not any related issue there. I got a name for you on that club specifically that I really do like. He's not a huge prospect. He's a guy who kind of made some noise last year. Mike Clevenger was a guy who had a big double A season. He was a little bit old for the level at age 24, obviously now 25. He's off to an okay start at AAA results wise, but the skills are still there with 10 strikeouts per nine, 16 in 14 and a third innings. Walks are a little high. He's got seven of them in those 14 and a third. You don't want to get too hung up on the rates at this point. He has a four walk game, which is really spiking at four walks in five innings. Um, but he's an interesting name that I do like. I think he's got the stuff. And honestly, these days, anytime Cleveland's kind of working on somebody, I'm paying attention because they're even getting me to pay a little bit of attention to skinny, skinny Joe Blanton. I'm still not in. He's still a home run machine. Um, I, I'm still nervous about it. He didn't give up a home run to my Tigers, of course, after I clown him all this time about being a home run machine. He shuts down my favorite club. But uh, they they do good work with pitchers. I think we need to start giving Mickey Callaway, Terry Francona and company, uh, you know, kind of kind of give them an extra look when we see that they pick somebody up or that they're working on somebody. I know it hasn't really come together with somebody like Trevor Bauer, but obviously Kluber was a, a, a rebuild or, or a build. He wasn't even a rebuild. Carrasco was a rebuild. Salazar, somebody in their in their minor league system that they cultivated. Cody Anderson's kind of been up and down after that big spring. So Mike Clevenger's a name that I would kind of keep an eye on. He could be interesting. Do you know anything about him, Jason? 
the only thing I know about him is what I'm reading on a report from John Sickles, because as you type the name, I happen to remind me to come back to Steve Clevenger in a moment. Uh, but with I found a report from John Sickles on minorleagueball.com that said Clevenger can hit 96, yep. uh, both his slider and curveball flash. Plus, he's made good progress with the changeup when he throws strikes. Hey, a guy who knows minor leagues is back in what I'm saying, and that makes me feel good because I've always freely admitted that minor leagues are not my number one strong suit. I, I usually have to do pretty deep research on a guy. I don't just kind of have knowledge offhand like I do about other guys. And he was somebody I found over the winter that I really do like. So Mike Clevenger, C-L-E-V-I-N-G-R. And I make that distinction because the guy you want to talk about for a second, Steve Clevenger, is C-L-E-V-N-G-E-R. So uh, what's up with Steve Clevenger, backup catcher out in Seattle? Yes. Yeah, so uh... – that's the thing, the, the backup catcher thing. Steve Clevenger came into the season's utility only, eligible. He's caught four games. If you are a five-game eligible league, he becomes eligible at catcher with his next appearance behind the plate. And that could be huge, specifically catcher for AL only leagues. Yes, catcher's an absolute wasteland. Yep. Wasteland in the American League right now because I own most of them. <laughs> I've gone. <you> know, <laughs> Hate Conger has been crap. J.R. Murphy has been crap. Uh, Alex Avila is now on the DL. He's going down. Uh, yeah, just running through. Most catchers have been garbage in the American it's, League. It's and been then, it's been so if. So I'm like, I, I have a bid in. I'm for in Tout Wars tonight. Hopefully this show's not posted until tomorrow morning. Favorite ask? Oh, maybe I'll do it just like at like uh, midnight or 11.30. You know? Oh, dang Perfect. it. Sorry I didn't get it up in time, Glenn and Rick. Sorry, guys. Yeah, because my, yeah, my catchers are bad, bad. I have a bid in for Kevin Smith, who just got promoted uh, to take to take Avila's spot in the roster. I mean, it's really tough for me to rag on, on Deano Navarro because he his his triple slash line right now is – Point zero six nine point zero six nine point zero six nine. This was going <laughs> in. This was at one nice. point last night. It is nice, right? <laughs> so it's really tough to rag on him for that. But AL catcher has been mostly a wasteland. It, it really uh, has. So if you're uh, an AL, if you're an AL league, if that five game eligibility is sneaking up, I have a bid in tonight because um, Tout Wars does have that five game eligibility. And if you're a one game eligibility, uh, Steve Pierce played second base today. Um, so if he wasn't second base eligible at draft day, he is now for you. Very nice. Yes, I do. I like I like only leagues with one game eligibility because it's just so thin as it is that I, I know some people don't like it. Oh, it's cheesy. This guy played here for one inning. I actually like it. I, I like to get a little bit more eligibility for guys in season. I don't necessarily like it if you're doing it to qualify for the next year, but in season, I like one game in AL and NL only or 20 team mixed or deeper because it just gets so painfully thin that it's not really fun. It almost becomes a battle of attrition at that point. You talk about AL catcher, and basically if you didn't pay up for Sal Perez, Brian McCann, or Steven Vogt, you're going hungry, um, or you got lucky enough to pick up the best AL catcher in the history of the world, Jared Saltomachia, who has yeah, that's true. six bombs, 15 ribs, 282 average, and a 232 WRC plus, where Un 100 is Unbelievable, unbelievable, that fantasy zombie right there. Un unbelievable what he's doing. Hat tip to Nate and Matthew on that one. Fantasy Zombies, always one of theirs that I really liked. And yes. Jared Saltamamakia, oh, I can't even say it. You can't even say his name. He's on your favorite team. <laughs> I know. Saltamamakia <laughs> having what obviously the best Fantasy Zombie April that I can think of. If you all can think of any more, go ahead and hit us up on Twitter. He's like he's like doing what JP – sorry to cut you uh, stamp up. It's like he's doing what JP and Sibia did last year. Remember how he you came go. back from the dead? Out of and nowhere. And just kept hitting some bombs. And then where is he now? Oh, yeah, nowhere. Uh 
Yes. So yeah, if, get, if you're banking on, if you're banking on, if you're banking on uh, Salta La Macchia the rest of the way, good luck with that. Or no, but, uh, last year, uh, Aaron Sibia hit six bombs for y'all, 310 average, yeah. 921 OPS. Salty's going to get the playing time. Obviously, he's already picked up in AL onlys, but Salty's obviously put himself on the map for mixed leagues right now. Um, I do like the name Steve Clevenger, though. Backup catcher in Seattle could get some more playing time. Uh, you know, kind of fighting with Chris Iannetta, who's not, you know, Chris Iannetta doesn't have anything walled off to where nobody can get in there. So even though I do like Iannetta a little bit in AL only, particularly OBP, Steve Clevenger will get his reps. Um, that was just a little tangent, though, on, on Carrasco and Clevenger there. Our, our main topics, we're going to talk about four big call-ups. They're, they're interesting call-ups, Jason. First off, they're, they're pretty big names prospect-wise, but a lot of them might just be one and done. So that's kind of a kind of a bummer. We'll kind of give you some guidelines on maybe what you should do in terms of bidding. I don't know that you want to go crazy. Oh, my God, Jake McGee tried to go for a full uh, Sean Tallis in there, zero, zero innings, five runs. He did end up getting two outs, but five runs. Coors Field, brutal, absolutely brutal. Um, and then also we're going to talk about four guys, two hitters, two pitchers, who are just kind of making noise. And this was by accident, y'all, but they're all NL only guys. So um, I do apologize for that. That's just kind of the way the cookie crumbled. There were some interesting names that y'all had been mentioning on Twitter that you wanted to hear us talk about. And so I picked those four. And again, they're all NL only. Next week, if I do the same thing, I'll do AL only for, for y'all. Let's dive in on these prospects first. Oh, and of course we have a mailbag question. Uh, these prospects. Obviously, we're going to start with Blake Snell, not just because he's the best of this bunch, but also because he's on your favorite team. Um, I watched the game yesterday. You probably watched the game yesterday. He made his debut in Yankee Stadium. It's a one and done, though, because he's already sent back out, right? Blake Snell, done. He's already gone. And and Jan Mar Martinez? It's not Martinez. It's Martinez. Uh, he is up. So the Snell thing kind of drives, but... He looked awesome. The curveball was yes. like pornish. It was so nasty. <laughs> it was un unbelievable. I mean, I I had seen clips of him in the in spring training, but it's always the offset camera angle. You don't get true appreciation for how good a curveball is until you sit back and watch. I mean, that thing's like an eleven thirty to five thirty hammer. Um, the lefties were just useless. And by the way, if Here's my daily fantasy tip of the day. Just stack le if if a Yankee if Yankees are facing a lefty, start the lefty uh, and play. sit all of them. Holy cow, they're bad. And, and I they got that... like four hits off of Matt Moore on Saturday. Matt, you know, Matt. Honestly, it was really one bad inning for Matt Moore. But that's the, kind uh, of it, been his thing. Yeah, and most of it was other way stuff. They were just sitting back and going the other way, and that's that's the thing with Moore, lefty on lefty. It's just fastball or or, or cutter. Really, so um, that was kind of the thing there. But yeah, they looked terrible against terrible on um, on Saturday against Blake Snell. They looked terrible today against Drew Smiley. And for the most part, Matt Moore had held them at bay, except for a, a hanger to Brian McCann. And then one other pitch I wasn't very happy with. But yeah, start those start the lefty pitchers against the Yankees. I think Cole Hamels was supposed to pitch tomorrow against them. He is not. He has been scratched with a sore groin. Uh, but I think they're throwing Cesar Ramos. At, at at him, he's, who's, a, lefty, who's been a, he? he's a lefty long guy. The Rays have had him. The Padres have had him. But I think after that, I think they're throwing more lefties. I'm, I'm not I'm sure the next right-handed right pitcher, but uh, yeah, the Yankees and lefties are just—they're terrible. Well, 
so I, I I was not really interested in Rich Hill this week because he's been so up and down. And somebody Ooh, I was love Rich Hill. <laughs> well, somebody was talking to me saying, I don't know, maybe that maybe against these Yankees you want to do it because I was like a little bit worried about Yankee Stadium and the fact that he's been walking guys. He did end up walking four, but to your point, six innings, two runs, only one of them earned ten strikeouts. He was really good against them, and that's when I kind of took notice. I can't remember who the Twitter person was, but they were saying, I don't know, take a second look, man. You you, you might not want to miss out on a lefty versus the Yankees. And it's been playing out that way all week and all season so far. So I agree with you. If you've got, so I took notice. I took notice in person. So I was at Yankee Stadium on Tuesday night, and they were facing Eric Surkamp. Eric Surkamp, you know, the fastball doesn't bounces off glass kind of thing. Eric Surkamp Mm -hmm. is a is at his ceiling as a fifth starter. Eric Surkamp pretty much shut these guys down. (laughs) Just shut them down, and I was just like. Wow, these guys suck against lefties. I mean, I looked at that lineup. Here's the thing. The wind was blowing out strong left to right. I'm sitting down right on the field level. The wind's blowing around. I'm like, okay, Sir Camp's up there. You know, yeah, I went and and, uh, tried to set a daily fantasy lineup on FanDuel. And then because New York has got their law going on, it wouldn't (sighs) let me. But being the good technology guy I am, I know how to VPN in. So <laughs> VPN didn't set my network right there. So suck it, state of New York. Um, but I should have saved my money because I did not do well. Uh, so, <laughs> but that's the thing. So Sir Camp, I have Rich Hill in two leagues. And I picked him up as a, okay, let's all ride some strikeouts and see what happens until his arm falls off. And and so far, dude, he the walks, yeah, sure. But he's striking guys out. His strikeout rate over the last eight starts is better than Clayton Kershaw's. No, it's it's filthy. It really is. And like I said, I know Hill's been up and down, so I was nervous. I even said, like, I'm quitting him after the KC start. Now you look, it's two really bad, two really good. Two 10 strikeout games at Seattle at the Yankees for Rich Hill. I think it's just going to be one of those seasons where – You can't pick and choose. You just have to use him or not because I don't think you can necessarily say, oh, this favorable situation he'll definitely uh, be great in. This ugly situation he'll definitely suck in. I think Rich Hill is going to be one of those guys that's going to be maddening if you try to guess. Maybe you just set it and forget it and take your 350 ERA and a boatload of strikeouts at the end of the year. He's got your Tigers next. Oh, well, then he's going to get hammered by them, obviously. Um, to, uh, going back to the Yankees, the lefties that they face this week. Ramos, as you mentioned, tomorrow. Martin Perez on Wednesday could be a sneaky one in, in like a super huge DFS or an AL only league. And then Henry Owens on Friday, assuming he stays up, and he should. We're going to talk about him in a moment. And then David Price on Sunday. Obviously, uh, he's awesome, and that, that can be a good one for him to get right. I know he's been a little bit shaky. He gets it at Atlanta and versus New York this week. That could be a nice one-two punch to really get him going. So with Snell, since he's already called pushed back down, that w- might this not be a good buying opportunity though? And he's not. I know he's not available in a ton of leagues. He was drafted because people wanted to hang on to him. So he's not available in AL onlys or probably a lot of uh, deeper mixes. But what about like a ten or twelve team mix where you've got five plus reserve spots and he's available? Is this the time to actually go because he's already sent down and it might drive down the price? Um, the issue is with him is the Rays don't need another fifth starter until May tenth is the next time they need it. So if you can, if you've got the room and I don't know, like, like tout wars, if you pick up somebody, you have to start them the next week. That's right. So you would, if your rules are like that, you'd have to take a zero in order to do that. And tout wars, he's already on, um, he's already on Chris Lissa's team. Cause he, dra- he also drafted smiley. So Snell was a smiley insurance. Oh, nice. Uh, so that's how it worked out for him. And, uh, 
so if you if your leagues are like that, you're going to take a zero for that. That the May 10th is the next time they need a fifth starter. There's no guarantee that it'll be him. Over uh, I think I think part of the issue for this was they were facing the Yankees, who we know are bad against lefties. So it was it was supposed to be Matt Andrees was the guy who was lined up. That's that's whose pitch day it was in Durham. They I thought it was supposed to be Miley anyhow. I thought it was supposed to be Erasmo, and then he had to come out of the bullpen in Boston when that game got hairy. That was part of it. That was part of it too. And they had to use Erasmo so that the, the pitch count. And instead of going with a Johnny bullpen game, they did. Uh, they ended up calling up a fifth starter. So the next time they need one, then we don't know what Erasmo's usage is going to be between now and then, but. Sure. You know, between Cedeno and Romero, those two have been really solid out of the bullpen, but the rest of it's been in flux. And so I think the the Swiss Army knife approach of Erasmo may continue, okay. but it would make for a nice story if they called Snell back up because he is from Seattle. Uh, oh, it would okay. be pretty awesome for him to go um, be called back up to pitch in front of the hometown crowd. Uh, he made a big deal in the pregame, like A-Rod was one of his heroes growing up. He got to strike out A-Rod on Saturday. That's pretty uh, cool. I made a comment on Twitter, is like losing, you know, the Rays calling him up and sending him back down is like taking Christmas presents away until February. <laughs> it's like, That's damn, really it was funny. it was filth to watch. I mean, the first inning was a little it was a little rough, but little after shaky, that, man, little nerves. The cur- the curveball was just unbelievable when he would just throw that thing and change change eye levels with it. I mean, and th- these are major league hitters, man. McCann was like, he had nothing. Uh, Ellsbury ended up coming in. I think he faced Ellsbury once because um, Ellsbury had to come in for something. Uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm mixing up games on the Friday night game. Uh, but yeah, there were multiple issues and they lost that game on stupid stuff. You know, walks Ellsbury catcher interference. Cause he's so damn deep in the box and swings oh, that down was, the ball. That was the guard yeah. walk off. It wasn't I- even like, yeah, it wasn't yeah. even like it wasn't even like Casali stabbed at the ball. He didn't even reach for it. It's like Ellsbury's back there. And he waits so long to try to foul it off. He like swings down at it mm-hmm. and hits the catcher's glove, gets on base. So his base is loaded. And so the runs in that game came on a wild pitch. And then it came on two walks and a catcher's interference and then a ground ball, something. Uh, yeah, ground about uh, a liner back up the middle, scored a run. And then the Gardner walk off off Erasmo, who just missed his location. He, he yanked the fastball and just came right in. And I swear the Gardner jumped out of his shoes to hack on that one. It, 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 it was it was it was a bomb. I mean, it, it, he, he, he got on that one really nicely. By the way, if you were worried about um, was, was it Gardner who was struggling early? Because I'm looking at his numbers now and he's been dominating. I feel like he was struggling after like five games and people were like, should I cut Gardner? You know, that kind of crazy. Ridiculousness. No, he's, been, he's been one of the guys. He's been one of the few that's doing it. But this is this is Gardner's uh, M.O. This is what he always does. Starts Fast off start. hot yep. and then fades out. Well, durability is, is a question with him. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Seven games in, he had a 174 average, and we were getting questions on Twitter. Oh, my God, Brett Gardner, what should I do? Now he's got four multi-hit games, including two three-hit games in his last seven. He's hitting 440 in those games, and all of a sudden he's hitting 313. So we're fine there. Again, Snell, if he's available, I would take the shot right now because I do think it's a chance to get him cheaper than you would normally be able to. So I, I do like him for that. But... If it is one of those leagues where you would have to take the zero or if you're talking like a 10-team mixer with three reserve spots, I might just leave him out there because we don't even know, like you said, if he's going to be the May 10th guy uh, when they need that fifth starter. Let's move on to Aaron Blair, a guy out in Atlanta who made his debut today. He was part of that big Shelby Miller trade that uh, everyone really loved. I know that they said that the Diamondbacks totally won that deal. I've never heard anything else besides – okay, that's obviously a stupid joke. They did not do well on that deal, and – 
Aaron Blair was one of the prizes that went out to Atlanta in that deal. He made his debut today. I think he was. I didn't get to watch it. So I, box I score either. scouting. I heard he was okay. Nothing. Nothing special. I only see one strikeout. My buddy Mets fan said, "Eh, okay. Nothing. Nothing to." immediately jump after based on this game. But I actually like that because I like Aaron Blair and I don't want him to come out necessarily and throw eight scoreless when he's freely available on the wire because that pumps the price up. So I'm actually buying in on Blair. I think there's a little bit of runway here. There's no reason for them not to utilize him. It's not like Williams Perez should be back up and and pushing him out of the rotation. I thought Blair was somebody who would come up early. I actually said, I think I said early May and, and give you potential of five months. I like him to be kind of a uh, mid three ZRA guy. Okay. Strikeout rate strikeouts are not his game, um, but decent whip as well. So I, I, I'm in on, on Blair and just about every league format, 10 teamers. It's, it's a little bit sketchy because there's probably some darn good guys out there on the wire, but 12 right. team and beyond I'm going, I'm going for a bid on Blair for sure. I mean, he's got 95 innings in AAA, so it's not like this is a huge jump. He did 77 to close out last year. He had 19 to start out, so you know, 96 innings in AAA. So, uh, yeah, leave him up. You need to see what he can do at the major league level. Rebuilding doesn't mean you sit guys as long as you possibly can. It's a little tough to swallow the service time, Super 2, save money when, when you just – milked a, a new stadium out of the lo- local populace at <laughs> right? least give them something entertaining to watch i think that's a, that's a good point there so what we'll, we'll, and then oh you know the, another point there about the, the the how well that trade worked out if we think about that trade one of the other pieces was ender Enciarte, and uh the center field experiment in arizona is not going well at all uh, with pollock no. being or pollock being out owings is not doing well you know Socrates uh, brito I, I feel like i'm mentioning jason hanselman's name every week but he mentioned like why don't the diamondbacks and rays get together for a trade the rays are sitting on a bunch of outfielders like desmond jennings uh you know who could play at center field and play it every day there well and probably do well on grass versus being on the turf um and they've got mikey maddox sitting in the minors they could call up to replace him on and that it seems like they line up really well for some kind of deal and maybe Aaron Arizona does try to make the deal because in-house they don't have a solution. No, I think that's a good call there. And uh, like you said, Socrates Brito, no good. He's already been pushed down because he was, it wasn't even hitting a hundred. I mean, again, it's, I'm always talking about how it's early. We don't freak out over the numbers just yet, but when you're not even on the interstate, as they say, which is anything with a 100 batting average, and you just kind of look lost, and you don't have any sort of track record. I usually say it about guys with a track record, not to worry after 10, 20, so 30 games. Training? Wasn't he like tearing the cover off the ball so, in spring training? So was Keon Broxton, and where is he? In AAA as well. So, you know, Keon Broxton was a guy that I, was, I, I did get a few shares in, so I'm not throwing stones at everybody. I'm just saying this is, this is what happens. This is not out of the realm of possibilities when you buy in on a, on a hot spring guy is that, okay, maybe it was just a hot spring and, and it's, it's nothing to really write home about. And that's what we're seeing right now with at least Broxton and Brito. Here's the thing that we've seen this where they do have the big spring. They come out, they, they fall flat on their face. They go down for a month, then they come back and then it clicks. Yes. Whatever it is, the pressure's off or, or they just kind of needed some time to get some success in AAA, Rugnet Odor, this happened last year. He was a really hyped up guy. We all loved him. Eno, it was oh, Eno's man, big guy. He looked bad last and it year. It was so bad. He was hitting like 111. He and he, he was looking every bit of a 111 average too. You know, sometimes you're hitting 111 and you're stinging the ball and you just need a few things to fall. No, Odor was hitting 111 and earning every bit of it. 
goes down, gets his confidence back, just you know, gets a chance to hit, gets his feet under him, comes back up, had an all-star worthy second half. And now look, you know, now, now we're back on track of liking him. Nor Brito, uh, Brito nor Broxton is as high of a prospect, but I think that we can see a similar thing to where they go down, they, they, they relax a little bit, take the pressure off. And then all of a sudden, Hey, they're back on track. So obviously you got to move on from them in all mixed league formats, but in NL onlys, I don't think you necessarily, if you can reserve them, I would probably hang on to them for a little bit. I wouldn't cut them blindly. But if you got to move on, if, if, if roster space is forcing you to, then I understand it. All right, so uh, kind of on that, this isn't a kid, but I don't know if you guys got to talk about the Toronto and Colabello situation this week. No, we didn't. We didn't. Okay, so I wanted to bring this up because one of the guys, that I, and he's not a kid by any means, but one of the guys that kind of got my attention uh, during spring training, I happened to watch a couple of games, was Ezekiel Carrera with Toronto. Yeah. He hit leadoff today yep. for them. You know, hitting the, so a playing time opportunity, he went uh, one for five Friday, went four for five with three runs scored on Saturday, went two for four, hit a home, uh, hit a home run today, a loud homer. And so he has a really nice weekend for himself. And he's in there right now because Michael Saunders is a little dinged up. That's so weird. Michael yeah, Saunders shocker, is right? Weird. So that's where I'm looking at that saying, hey, maybe he gets – maybe he – does well from then and then we're all speculating maybe jesus montero comes up and they haven't really decided i think they called a pitcher up for the time being but they haven't really decided so maybe carrera he's 29 years old this is not a kid by any means but if he's going to play in that lineup and he's going to play at the top of that lineup i'm riding it out until he plays his way out of it and he's got some speed ezekiel carrera does too so he could maybe get some cheap stolen bases and like you're saying at the top of a quality lineup it could be a situation now I guess we're making up for the fact that I got all these NL guys coming up in the in the second section. We're talking about some deeper AL pieces here with Steve Clevenger and Ezekiel Carrera. These are guys that you can go out, put a bid on, and maybe get some nice returns for in an AL only specifically. So I, I hear you on Ezekiel Carrera. He's not going to make or break your lineup by any stretch. But in, in leagues where you just need a body, I like a guy like this at the top of a really good lineup. So that's a good name there for sure. We got two more guys on these uh, on these call-ups. One who's starting right this moment. He actually actually hasn't had a chance to go out there yet because Boston is lighting up Scott Feldman early on. They got the bases loaded, one run already in. It's Henry oh, Owens. Faster, faster. And, they, and they intentionally walked David Ortiz to get to this point, too. <laughs> they're, they're leading the league and giving up runs this year. It's not good. And no, sir. I don't know. You know, it, it's too early for them to panic as a team in Houston because they still have a lot of, of, of good pieces. But I don't know that it's that surprising that their pitching is the problem. Now, I didn't expect Ken Giles to be part of the problem. But when you looked at the rotation, it was really Keuchel, McHugh, and Fires. I, I trusted those three. And obviously, two of them have not been trustworthy. But beyond that, the 4-5 guy, Feldman Fister, first off, they're one in the same, basically. I think that's what Eno said when, when they signed Doug Fister, that they, yeah. I guess they wanted another Scott Feldman. But, oh, God. Does this make the the Ken Giles deal even that much worse that their starting pitching is failing them and they would have had, you know, 120, 135 innings from Vincent Velasquez? Doesn't help. I mean, it doesn't. Like I said, I, I, I've I've understood the trade from the jump. A piece like Giles is exactly what they needed at the back end of their bullpen. They didn't want to stunt Velasquez's growth by making him just be that bullpen guy because he could have done it. I think they're just trying to get to Lance McCullers without 
you know, being in dead last by 500 games. And then that should help the rotation kind of round out. One guy sometimes can add so much depth to a rotation and just make it feel so much better when you're going Keiko McCullers, McHugh fires, and then let Feldman and Fister fight over that, that four spot or five spot. But let's talk about Henry Owens, the guy who's opposing Feldman right now, a lefty prospect for the Baltimore or uh, Baltimore for the Boston Red Sox. Excuse me. I'm all over the place tonight. They wish, but they would totally fail him and he wouldn't be any good for them. Anyway, they don't know how to develop pitchers there. Uh, Boston has a little bit better luck developing pitchers. This is a guy I like. He's a 23-year-old lefty. He does not throw very hard. He kind of works 89-91, but really deceptive. Great, great changeup. His changeup works in the high 70s, so he gets a really big, you know, 10 to 12 mile an hour split off the fastball, which again makes the fastball play up. So you look at the raw number, 89.91, you're like, ah, that's not so good. We start calculating like effective velocity based on where he works the pitch and the change uh, and the difference from his changeup, and it works a lot better for Henry Owens. And we've seen some big strikeout rates. I thought he had a nice sample last year, 63 innings with a 12% swinging strike rate. I think we can see some strikeouts, and with this with this club, Boston being a decent club, I think we could see some cheap Ws. He's going to be in for Joe Kelly at the very least right now with his shoulder impingement. Um, obviously, Eduardo Rodriguez is working his way back, but I think Henry Owens is every bit of good, every bit as good of a prospect to the point where Eduardo Rodriguez doesn't instantly push him out. It would, I think it would be more like Stephen Wright would be counting his days uh, in the rotation. I really like Owens. I'm psyched that he's up. I'm eager to see what he does tonight. What do you think about the the 23-year-old lefty? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we saw him pitch last year. So this is not like, oh, this was his first major league start. I wonder what he's been able to do. We saw what he was able to do last year, and he survived. I mean, the overall numbers weren't the 5 ERA and the 136 or 37 whip, if I recall correctly. 4.57 ERA, like a 4.5. It wasn't great. Okay. You know, high whip. He was up and down, definitely. All right, so I mean, it's just a bad situation overall down there. But the when you look at when you look at what's possible uh, with him again, the the run support should be there. Boston doesn't have any problems scoring runs. Uh, they could they can they can put it on you in, in a hurry, especially the way Betts is out starting out of the gate. Ortiz is you know just doing what he does. Travis Shaw has been nice at the plate, uh, so I'm, I'm with it for the run support, the strikeout, the, the lack of strikeouts. I, I'm. I'm hesitant to to grab him in a 12 team mixed. I'm 15 team mixed. I'm I'm willing to take a shot. Okay, it, I you watch those strikeouts though. I think that they can go up as he kind of gets a little bit more acclimated to being in the majors. Henry Owens has had a good minor league strikeout rate, 10.0 for his career in 536 innings. We'll see if the deception and the change, since it's not overpowering stuff, we'll see how it works at the major league level. But I think he can be in that in that 21 to 23 percent range, which is just under a strikeout per inning, and then you're then you're in business in, in 12 team mixers. So I'm I'm more pro Henry Owens than you are. We'll take a look. Very interested to see how he goes tonight after you and I finish podcasting here. Next up is another Atlanta guy, Casey Kelly, a guy you y'all probably have remembered the name because he's been around seemingly forever. The fact that he's not 38 years old really stuns me. He's only 26. <laughs> he's been around really forever. He was with Boston, and then he moved over to San Diego, and it just never really got going with San Diego. Injuries have ravaged this guy's career. He's one of those super athletes who probably could have been a hitter or a pitcher. He's still giving it a go as a pitcher. Now he's with Atlanta, and, and you know they made all those moves this year where they're just trying to get as many quality pitchers as they can. So they got a guy like this as kind of a throw-in. I can't remember what deal it, it was exactly that he was part of, but Casey Kelly 
is now with them out in Atlanta. Oh, it was the Christian Bethencourt deal. Uh, oh, he was, he, that's right. He was basically the return for, for Bethencourt with a guy named Ricardo Rodriguez, who I'm unfamiliar with. So, you know, it was just a lottery ticket that they wanted to take a chance on. He's in the he's not in the rotation right now. He's relieving, and honestly, that might just be it for him right now. Casey Kelly might only end up being becoming a reliever, but he is going to get starts at some point. You look at that Atlanta rotation, and there's just not too much blocking people off. Obviously, they're going to stick with Tehran. I think they they are going to stick with and definitely should stick with Matt Whistler, Aaron Blair. And then, then you can fit somebody like Kelly in. I don't need. I don't think that Bud Norris needs to be starting. Yuli Shasin's been pitching well, so he'll hold the spot. So I think something will open up for Kelly. In the interim, he's going to be a reliever, so that makes him NL only at best right now. But what do you think of Casey Kelly? Outside of the injuries, you think there's enough talent here to be even 15 mixed league viable, let alone 12? No, this is a, this is an NL only play for me. Okay. I think that that's I, I just, fair. I don't think the stuff. I don't think the stuff pre all those injuries. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, mean, I remember a few years ago we liked this guy quite a bit, but he's been through a meat grinder. He really has. I think. <laughs> I, I think it's double Tommy John. I think he's been cut on for other stuff. It's just really tough to get a to get a feel for him right now, just because there's so few innings. Even though he is 26, he's only thrown 500 minor league innings, 43 in the majors. So it's a really a wait and see situation. If now if he comes out gunning and looks great in the rotation for a little bit then maybe you make a move but right now i agree with you it's nl only and you really don't have to pay attention to him in the um in in any mixed league format so i think that that's the situation with casey kelly so snell i'm speculating on where available to try to get him cheaply blair i'm kind of in on just about everywhere 10 teamer it's your league can let you decide there owens i'm in just about everywhere and then kelly we're passing so let's move on. We got four guys here, two hitters, two pitchers, just kind of names of note. You, y'all have mentioned names on Twitter. You say, oh, can you talk about this guy's hot start? Can you talk about what's going on with this guy? And all four of these guys are actually off to good starts. So we're talking about some, some guys who are on the rise or at least look to be with their numbers. We're going to start with Kenta Maeda. This is a guy I missed on this year in terms of investing because I was worried by the contract uh, and what it meant. And what it meant was that or what it meant to me was I thought that they found something injury wise that they weren't, they were interested in him still, but only if they could get a really nice deal and they got a damn good deal. The Dodgers did eight years, 25 mil. Uh, the original deal was expected to be a heck of a lot more. So when I saw that, I was like, Oh man, I don't know. Is this guy just shredded and and he's going to come over here and it's just not going to go well. Turns out, no, that's not the case. At least through four starts, he looks every bit as good as, you know, Iwakuma and, Probably not. I wouldn't say quite at Tanaka level, but maybe a, maybe a, just a tick below. I mean, he's been really, really good. Kenta Maeda has to the point where I was uh, I was talking on uh, Saturday night or was it Friday night? I think going into Saturday, and I was saying he might actually be a decent DraftKings play in Coors if you can stomach it because he's been so good. His his stuff could possibly work there. I didn't have the stones to play it myself. Hopefully somebody else did when I was talk- I was talking on a, a MLB the stream chat, but uh, he went out six and a third scoreless, three hits, one walk, eight strikeouts in Coors, and he's allowed one earned run. 
which ties his own output. He has a homer to cancel it out. So he's he's even in terms of runs. He's just been amazing. What do you think of Kenta Maeda and how 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 good can he stay? Obviously not .36 ERA good, but how good can he stay? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that would be a record, but uh, may, maybe he can be. Maybe I'm underselling him still. What do you think of him, though? It is. I mean, I remember the, when the deal came down, people were worried about the injury. And we don't we don't have an X-ray machine. No, right? Our, no. We don't know what things look like inside that arm. But it has been it's been filth what he's been able to do. Just it, it's it's fun to watch. I'm glad it's worked out for him. And I think, you know, as we've often joked about, you know, why do we why do we go after these these import hitters that don't do squat for us? At least Park is, is off to a better start now. Uh, but these pitchers seem to do really well when they come over and he's, and he's getting it done. So I, I like it. If you're able, I don't remember him going too expensive in leagues with the ground ball rate. Nope. He's not walking anybody. He's striking out guys. There's a lot to like, obviously worse, you know, worse starts are coming for him. This can't hold up, but he's looked a lot better than any of us thought he was going to look out of the gate. Would you buy high? No. Oh, okay. You wouldn't. I might. I don't like, I, I don't like, I don't like buying high. I, I, I prefer to be the seller. Um, well, I, how much I you agree gonna, How much are you going to, so, you know, I, I made this point on Twitter. Somebody's like, Hey, should I buy this? Like anytime somebody wants to ask me buy low or sell high, I am always you always want to be trade. Well, I'm, I'm always willing to trade somebody trade for someone that I had ranked higher than the guy that I own. At draft day, because sure. we're still four starts into the season, we have enough of a sample size for to legitim to legitimize strikeout rate. Mm -hmm. We've got seventy batters faces when you get a stabilization point for strikeout rate, so we can look and say, okay, what's different? What's changed? For him, we have no idea because we don't have a baseline. But if if anybody, that's how I answer these questions: Are you willing to sell? If there's somebody out there that I had ranked higher than Maeda coming into the season. Yes, by all means, I go out and do that because nothing I've seen over four weeks, unless the guy's hurt, is going to change my change my opinion that drastically. If we get back to our 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 thing last week when we were talking about Archer, you know, I haven't seen him pitch. We saw Archer pitch. Uh, what night did we see him pitch? He got smashed by oh, Boston. Was, uh, I didn't like anything like I didn't like anything in that outing. Yeah, I didn't like anything in that outing. Uh, that's a guy Archer. Obviously, I had way above. Maeda, but I have, and as I said last week, I have legitimate concerns about Chris Archer. Nothing I see gives me any hope. The changeup has looked good, but he can't throw it if he's so if he's behind of the count yeah, so much. Yeah, can't get like to it. Can't get to the it. slider. The slider is 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 gone from elite to eek. Uh, it sucks. <laughs> it's <laughs> rolling up one. there. Well, I mean, it was like a it was twenty six runs above average last year. It's like six below this year. It is and it's really the shape of it. Eno talks more about shape. But, uh, you know, maybe. He sh I think he's scheduled to pitch again um, tomorrow, so you guys should be able to you, – you may be able to talk about it. I'm curious to hear Eno's thoughts on shape because um, it's not good. And I really like Jeff Sullivan's uh, piece when he looked and how his foot strike. He's really coming down on, on the heel of his foot instead of the ball of his – instead of the flat foot like he was last year. I think we're all trying to look for excuses for him. Well, but right now the pitch execution is not there. The command is not there, the shape of the slider, and that's always been his backstop is when he when – things were going bad he could always throw the slider to get back into the camp now he's just praying somebody doesn't knock his head off you and i were so at a loss for answers here that we reached out to two guys who we very much trust when they talk about pitchers um and and just in general really about fantasy jeff Zimmerman, injury uh, expert and doug thorburn pitching mechanics expert neither of them came back with anything positive 
It was yeah. it was not great. Jeff flat out worried. Drop in velo, drop in zone percentage, taking longer between pitches, which he kind of equates to you know laboring and and not feeling right. Statistically, something seems off, is what he said. And then Doug, I'm investigating this right now for an article at BP. I'm not sure if he's put posted an article yet, but the one big tidbit that he'd given us right away was uh, release point looking problematic and just continues to go down. And actually, this is not even something that's just this year. It's kind of a growing trend. So we're definitely worried about Chris Archer. And the reason we keep talking about it is because people keep wanting to know, like, is anything changed? Is anything changed? Each start, it seems to get worse. Um, so that is concerning. I wouldn't necessarily do Maeda for Archer straight up. I still feel like I could get a little something. If I had Archer, I still feel like I could get Maeda in a little piece, like a small hitting upgrade or, uh, you know, maybe another small pitcher with it. Uh, and I would do that. I'd be more open to that. I don't know that I would do a one for one yet, but I'm close. I'm actually changing my tune on my Ada. Like I said, I came in, my concern was injury fully. And I don't see anything that suggests that, that it, I should be that worried about injury right now with, with my Ada. So I, I I'm bumping him up and Archer down. They haven't quite met yet though. So my Ada stock up for me. Another guy stock up, Drew Pomeranz. Hey, this will, this will surprise y'all. I was a year early on a guy. I was obsessed with Drew Pomeranz last year. I couldn't wait to get him. I thought he was going to do well with Oakland. thought they were going to really get him going and, and have uh, you know nice nice 25 starts or so, something like that. Not, not necessarily a full 32, but I thought he'd get in the rotation and stick for a good bit. He ended up having to be a reliever for them. And I, I don't know if it was out of necessity or the fact that they didn't trust him as a starter. He only started nine games and relieved 42. Their bullpen was such a mess, though, that I it was probably part of, well, we've got some of these other starters. Let's get a good guy in the bullpen because we don't have any. And he pitched well in the bullpen. Yeah, he did. But it's 86 <laughs> innings, and I was hoping really for, you know, buck 50 or more, something like that. So here's the thing. At least I stayed with him because a lot of times what happens on those guys I'm a year early on is I don't get back in the next year either either I just move on or something happens where I don't always get as invested well I stayed pretty invested in Pomeranz this year because he was going to San Diego and I was like okay they should start him they definitely will they are and it looks good so far Pomeranz really missing a lot of bats he's walking a few too many guys early on but I think he also has a big spike game where he walked four or five. I'm actually checking out. Actually, no, it's been consistent. Three, three, three. So walks are a little bit of an issue, but give me the seven, eight and 10 strikeouts in his three starts as well. He's got swing and miss stuff. He was a top prospect a while ago. It's taken him quite a while to get going here. He's age 27, but I like Drew Pomeranz, the lefty out of San Diego. What say you, Jason? I do like him quite a bit. I, I ended up spending $11 on him in my 12-team NL $280 league because uh, I was sitting on him until the very end, and somebody else was like, oh, Jason's bidding on him. Let's have fun. Let's with pump him up. That never happens yeah. to me except always. I still have him, which is nice. Um, it, going into play yesterday, his strikeout rate was behind only Velasquez and Syndergaard. He was at 34.7%, Wow. which is strong. I mean, one of those games was at Colorado. And then he did the Pirates, and then he did the um, Diamondbacks, maybe? I forgot. He's had three starts, but he, that, that's the strikeouts. And the thing with him, and, and what brings joy to my heart, is remember, he he had a new pitch. He was the guy that said, hey, I'm going to throw a cutter this year. That's right. But beyond that, he also started using more curveballs, too, which is not a shocker because, you know, when you leave Colorado and you decide, wait a second, the ball can bend like that. I guess I will throw that pitch more. I knew it was a good pitch. Damn it. So he's still with the curveball more. He's using a cutter now. uh, And and he's 
dusted off his changeup, a pitch that was really a show me pitch that he used. So it was like he's got a full bag of tricks right now. He really so does. instead of sitting on instead of sitting on him, like okay, it's going to be the fastball, fastball or the slider. It's like, wait a second, wait what what what's what's the curveball? Cutter, what? So now he's got all these pitches to use, and for me, it's a write him out kind of thing. I am, as I'm always concerned, for a guy that 86 innings he threw last year was a career high, by the way. Uh, so it's like, uh, how many innings can he throw this year and not have his arm just completely fall off? Like, oh, I can't throw anymore. He had 97 in 2012, but it, honestly, your point really still stands. The fact is, he hasn't he hasn't topped 100 in the majors. So. Yeah. What kind of innings workload are can we really expect? Now, the one thing that I do like is that at age 27, he's kind of a little bit out of the injury nexus. So I'm not saying he'll get 200, but I think that they can push him to around 160, maybe 170. That would, that would probably be pushing it. Probably looking at 160. So you might yeah, he's just not, qualify he, for the Even though the NL League is a keeper league for me, believe me, I, if I can move him at some point this season, I will be moving him. Especially if you were worried about innings late and you, and you need somebody who's working for you. It's it's not quite – I don't know if he's quite all the way up to the Vincent Velasquez hype right. just yet, but it's a similar kind of deal where I really like him short term, but you want to start looking at, at maybe selling them. And I am okay selling high even though I do like both of those guys because they're just not going to be there for you at the end of the year. So we both like Pomeranz. I do think he's in all formats play right now. Uh, the strikeout capability is just too high to the point where I'm even getting him in 10-team mixers. But again, you, you do want to maybe look at some potential trades just because he's not going to get you to the finish line. And obviously that's more important in head-to-head leagues as well. All right, we got a couple hitters. Everyone's been talking about Chris Carter. Now, this is a guy who we've talked about in the past. We've liked. Last year, soured me a bit, though. I, I, I got, I'm i a little bit salty about what he pulled off last year, how he never really – we kept waiting for it to kind of turn. And I think we were using faulty logic. And I think I even said this on the podcast last year that just because he waited until May to get going last year, or even June, I think, in, in 2014, and then took off – it wasn't guaranteed to happen again in 2015, and it didn't really. He 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 languished. He actually finished below the Mendoza line with a 199 batting average last year, 24 homers. That's that's just not useful. You you got to be hitting the mid 30s the way he did in 2014 for Chris right. Carter to to actually outrun that batting average. But a 307 OBP while still bad actually made him okay usable in OBP leagues a bit. So far this year, things are really turning around. Uh, because his strikeout rate is actually under 30%. Now, at 28%, it's still high for Chris Carter, but it's a vast improvement from where he's come from. And, you know, 28% on the strikeout rate, the swinging strike rate down from 16% to 12%. So we're seeing some improvements. A fast start from Chris Carter feels new because we don't usually see it. It usually takes forever to ramp up. What do you think about Chris Carter and his new home in Milwaukee? Makes me very happy to see the guys succeed. I mean, one of my favorite pieces that I've ever written was a piece that I did at Baseball Perspectives about Chris Carter back in 2012, mm -hmm. about some of the changes he had made at the plate, and that's when I got to talk to uh, minor league hitting instructor about it. And it was a fun piece to watch, and then you know, we've heard some stories about how much of a nice dude he is, Seems and he's great. always all smiles and, and soft-spoken. So he was a guy... I, if I can remember the audio, as we talked about him, my concern about him was that he was going to play too much this year. So I think I had him down as a guy with an outside shot at 40 homers, but it was going to really hurt his batting average. So it's like a guy that you didn't want to play that much. And I still have that concern. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to let three weeks of, of success can't. of him hitting 295 yep. uh, change that opinion of, uh, of him. But my concern is he's going to play too much. 
And I, I don't want that. No, I think that that's actually a fair concern because we're going to have another awful streak at some point. It's just going to happen. It's not like he cut his strikeout rate to 20%. This is an improvement, and I do think it, it, it supports the nice run that we're seeing from somebody like Chris Carter. But I'd actually be open to selling him as well because you know a devastating three-week, one-month run of just futility is, is, is in the offing. It's just going to happen. It's just who he is. And this is a guy in Roto that if you do keep him, you just set it and forget it. You don't worry about it. You don't you don't play to the ups and downs. If, you, if you're paying for 30 bombs, you're probably going to get there. Last year, obviously, he didn't, but he also played 129 games. That was, that was the main reason he didn't get to 30. Uh, he had 29 in 2013. He'll get you your 30 bombs, but the average is going to be tough. I'd be looking to sell him. Now, Selling, saying sell him is easy. What would you want to get? What could you realistically get, do you think, Jason, um, for somebody like Chris Carter on this hot streak? Do you think you could get um, – let's see here. I'm trying to think of some names. Mark Teixeira. You think you could get Mark Teixeira? Because he, is he struggling right now? I actually don't know his numbers. I don't have him anywhere. At, uh, Mark Teixeira is hitting uh, 218. Ooh. His on-base percentage is higher than his, his – almost as high as his slugging percentage. Oh, my God. They're 368, 382. 14 points apart. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. So the, I Worth would do the shot. That. I would do that. I would take that shot as well because Teixeira is pretty similar in terms of he's going to have up and down streaks. And since he's on a down streak, I, why don't I jump in now and try to get him on, uh, get catch one of his hot streaks? I, I like that one. What about a pitcher? Um, yeah, just as we're looking – I'm just looking at the first grace leaderboard. I know your man Miggy's not doing it, but, but Freddie Freeman – Wow. Not so good. And Jose Abreu. Wow. When you talk about that monstrously awful team, and that was a concern that people had for Freddie Freeman already, the fact that he's off to a slow start probably really has folks worried. But you look at a 5% homer to fly ball rate, that's not going to stick. You look at a 270 BABIP, that's way low for his career. He's a career 340 guy, Freddie Freeman is. So I actually might actually buy in on him. Do you think – you could get him for Chris Carter, or you'd have to throw in something, probably, right? I don't know. It's, if it was me, I might say, okay, fine, I'll take Chris Carter. That's how that's how bad I am. On I think him I right go now. for Freeman. I think I go for Freeman there. Let's let's try to do a pitcher. Yeah, um, I was just trying to, as you were talking about pitching. Um, could you get? Uh, could you get Jimmy Nelson, or is that too much? His team. I don't know if that's not enough. Oh, not enough. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know if that's that's not enough. I'm trying to just go down the list here. Um, Yee. JV. Jared Icon. Wait. You think you could get Verlander? Why? Coming off the last couple of starts? Yeah. I mean, no, maybe that, a DRA is close to six right now. Uh, obviously, I would do that. I'm looking at people trying to press the panic button. Okay. I mean, I, hell, yeah. I, hell, I'd even take my shot at Rick Porcello. I know the three wins is tough to overlook, but is he raised closer to five than it is four? But the strikeout rate for him, he's one of the strikeouts. He's in the top 10 for strikeout I rate know. right now. I never thought I'd say that about Rick Porcello, but he's doing it. He did it against Toronto. He did it against Tampa Bay. Uh, and he's doing it with more fastballs. And he did this He did this heading into last year. He was one of the he guys. He finished strong last year, too, by the he way. He did. He did. Porcello. And I wrote it uh, in – there's a piece that runs in the Rotowire Draft Magazine. It's it's like – and I write it every year. It's like hunting out of the bargain bin. It's I, I put a 23-man team together and say, look, if you would have bought 2014's garbage, 
for oh, 2015, yeah, like this this was the team you could have uh, put together. So I said, let's look at 2000s, let's look at bad 2015s and see what kind of bargain team you could put together in 2016. And there's Porcello with my other names to mention. Finished the season strong with a 20% strikeout rate, using his fastball more, and he's picked up right where he left off with that. So you know, to me, and that again, getting back to the fact that Boston's going to sc- score a lot of runs, mm-hmm. and you know, that's I, I said this on the radio Saturday. This is the kind of guy that sneaks up and wins 12 to 15 games out of nowhere. And he's already he's already a quarter of the way there. And the thing with Porcello, the other thing has always been doesn't get lefties out this year. He's getting lefties out. And that's huge for, for Porcello. And he starts in. It's, it's, a, it's a trend to watch. But this year he's getting lefties out. Everyone knows I'm a Porcello honk. So you ain't got to sell me. I think you just made a good case for everybody else, though. That's an, that's an interesting one for sure. Do you think you could get Adam Wainwright from a super panicked person? Because he's got a 3.6 strikeout rate. His walk no, rate is actually think, higher. Somebody would be a super panic to have. I don't I think know, it'd be man. a super panic. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If you, if you think you can get Verlander, I don't know that they're that far apart. If, you, if, you, if you're buying on Wainwright to, to rebound, right? And, and if you want some reasons, first off, I don't know that if I can give you too many reasons on the strikeout rate. It has to get better, though. His swing strike rate is actually the same as, it's, as it was last year. It's a, it's a half percentage point down. Um, and I know he only threw 28 innings last year. But even if you look back to, to 2014, it's not, it was 9% in 2014. It's 7% this year. His strikeout rate should not be 9%. Uh, that's what his swinging strike rate should be. And then if you work at his first pitch strike rate, it's at 67%, a career high. His walks shouldn't be that high. So there are there are factors that if Wainwright isn't hurt, he should be fine. I don't know, man. I honestly think if, if you think that Verlander is a potential, then I got to imagine that Wainwright's a potential as well. Go out there, see what you can do. If you need some pitching, take your shots with Chris Carter, see who's buying. I'd be interested in maybe making some moves there, uh, but I gotta get we gotta get onto this next guy here. Uh, kind of a different player type in ter- uh, from somebody like Chris Carter, Odabel Herrera, more of a more of a speed guy, a little bit of pop, but he's a speed guy for sure. And fun factoid, Jason, I don't know if you understand or if you know this. Guess who's leading the league in walks? Well, it's obviously Odabel Herrera. I, I should have phrased that differently. He's leading the league in walks. Can you believe I that? I heard that. The, I actually heard that yesterday, and my my immediate thought was. Because we talked about this a lot last year, we said, "Hey, wait, you know, if he hits number eight, because he had he showed a good walk rate in the minor leagues. He has, yes, right. So we're like, okay, if he hits eight, then maybe he can get his walks. At, and then last year, I believe he had a nine point nine or maybe ten percent even walk rate. And right, he's been hitting. Was he been hitting second or third for this lineup? He's he was. I don't think he's been. Has he been leading off? First, second, and third. Uh, honestly, he's been more second and third. He's got fifteen. Okay, games I knew there. he wasn't. Lead, I knew he wasn't leading off as much as you no, would assume. No, it's been second. Has been really where he, thirty-three of his plate appearances. He's got nine of those walks for Odabel Herrera. Seventeen walks. I wasn't even close on walk rate. Who the hell was I thinking about? There was somebody a, else. Maybe it's Tyler Marte? Goodell. Maybe it's Tyler Goodell. Maybe it's the other one. But okay. yeah, the the walk rate. Um, but yeah, he did have a walk rate. He had a walk rate throughout the minor leagues, pretty decent one, um, there. So I, maybe I was thinking of Tyler Goodell. No, yeah. So scratch all that, but yes. Well, but to your, to your first point, before you said the thing about what he did last year, 2015, Herrera w- did show the capability to take a walk here and there in the minors it, for a guy who's more of a speedy, you associate maybe a slap hitter with him. I think he's got more punch than, than we realize, too. I like that he's hitting at the top of that lineup. It's not a good lineup, but anybody hitting in that one, two, three spot, that's nice. And I like these skills that he's showing here. If he was getting all these walks in the eighth spot, yeah, we, we'd be like, okay, that's not that impressive. But he's doing it at the top of the order. 
I, I big things for for Odubel Herrera. He's one of my faves. I really do like him. Two homers already, four stolen bases. I kind of buy what we're what we're seeing here. This is another one I think I would buy high because I don't think that the asking price is going to be that insane because he didn't cost that much. I just don't think that you know people can confidently come out and ask for the world for him even though he's he's going well walks aren't a huge part of his game necessarily that you're saying like oh this has to stick or if you're not in an obp league and it's more of an average league i don't know i'm a huge odabel herrera guy i would still buy where i don't have him which is i, I do have him in a few spots already though we have him in labor too by the way you said uh, that you were worried about henry owens strikeouts he's already got one in one inning so eat it i told you Right? That's he's how this strike, works? He's striking out nine tonight. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, he's already got a strikeout in one inning. So, no, I'm just kidding. I'm a stupid idiot. Uh, oh, by the way, hey, uh, J- you mentioned skinny Joe Blanton earlier. Fat Joe Blanton got the win today in that game. Threw one pitch. Regular Joe Blanton got a dub? Who's he even got pitching for right now? Dodgers. Oh, wow. I thought he was uh, with Pittsburgh. That was last year, right? He Threw finished one with pitch, Pittsburgh and one... got a W. One pitch, got the W. Because of Jake And McGee. then apparently the Padres have a guy in a white shirt hacking pitches i don't know oh i gotta stop by doing there's a guy the, uh, in a white shirt out in center field is he doing the uh the thing that toronto's always accused of he's got he's got uh yeah he's got binoculars <laughs> i feel like the league should mandate that san diego can do that though because they're so bad at hitting they probably need a little boost right i, I feel like we could probably get the league to agree to let them do that because listen they only scored five runs with it anyway they're, they're, they're still terrible will myers is the only damn good hitter on that team so it, it's great the funny thing is like the catcher molina points out this and brett wallace is up and then they have the, the cameras on the guy and he's looking at tv and the camera guy points he's like hey you're looking at field oh <laughs> that's hilarious i gotta see that if you gotta i just retweeted it okay i just retweeted it i will check that by the way since we briefly <laughs> We talked about San Diego before we get to our mailbag question. Uh, what do you think of Mel? Old Melvin Upton. You buying it at all? Melvin Upton, man, I tell you what, I this is me eating crow because I just remember laughing at I, I think I had like four bucks to spend in that aforementioned home NL league and I, I got I was like, Oh yeah, I could totally I just need a I need a bat. I could totally get Melvin Upton. Um, and if what from what I've seen uh, I've seen a couple of people tweet about it. The the exit velocity off his bat. He's hitting the ball well. Everything. Every time I've seen them, which hasn't been often. I'm not. I'm not trying to put myself to sleep. Uh, but every time I've seen the Padres, for whatever reason, handful of games this year, he's looked great. Melvin Upton has. And he's got two homers, five stolen bases. He's got seven attempts already. That's what I like. I yes. Mean, I don't like that he's got caught twice, but five out of seven already. He's running, batting average and OBP almost 100 points of split. I'm kind of buying it a little bit. I really am. And I know that sounds crazy, but the strikeout rate is so down. It's down 10 percentage points from last year. Uh, that's the one thing that's really got me sold on this Melvin Upton beat right now. I I'm just kind of can't interested. Write another, I, I, I feel like I have written 15 different articles about <laughs> Improvements I believe that it. May at the plate. I believe that it. never stuck. You see one thing like, uh, like okay, he used to twist his ankle in, and then he got to a toe tap thing, and then he opened up his hips. Now his hands are higher. Now his bat's flatter. Now his hands. It's like he has been. He's a mechanic at the plate because he tweaks so many things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, you know, if he's hitting the exit velocity, the ball's coming off, and that was the thing when I completely soured on him. It's because there was no strike zone judgment, and then when he made contact, it sounded awful. 
It just wasn't. You know, it was more of a off the end of the bat. Couldn't find the sweet spot. Uh, you know, I'll forever be grateful for what he did in the 2008 playoffs. But oh, uh, nice. I'm I'm happy things are going back for him. You know, yeah, good I- for him happy it's, it's resurrected and i think it's another reminder for me not to be so damn like oh forget it he has screwed me over so many times i actually I mean, did try to buy him in one league but if his name would have come up let's say there's two guys out there and i had five dollars to spend i absolutely would have gone with the other guy like 10 out of 10 times I, I i think that that's fair though because he's 31 coming into this year he did a little something for 87 games last year with the padres so that might have had him on on your radar a little bit but melvin upton Junior, I just think, had kind of worn out his goodwill, and he was swinging, swinging and missing so much. 15% swinging strike rate for each of the last four seasons that I understood why people had quit him. But I like the improvements we're seeing early on. I would take a shot on him because he's a power-speed combo, probably more of like a 12 to 15 home run kind of guy. But if he's running this much already, you could be talking about getting back into the upper 20s, low 30s of stolen bases. I really think we could. He looks great. He's really lithe, even skinnier than he used to be in the past, but uh, skinny but but still kind of muscular. I don't know. I'm, I'm falling for Melvin Upton again. It could be my, my demise, but I'm doing it. So y'all can't stop me. Don't even try. Let's move on to the mailbag. We got an email from Herb. He says, uh, what do you make of Domingo Santana? I know there have been several Fangraphs articles about his improved plate discipline, but what about his horrible split against righties? It's a small sample size, but it seems to have carried on from last year. Anything you make of that? And how would you rate him compared to some of the other high-K, fringy 10-team outfielders, such as Jock Peterson, he is not fringy, he's the best player in the world, Jorge Soler, and Evan Gaddis? So we got four guys here, Domingo Santana, Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, Evan Gaddis, that are all, like he says, high K, but kind of fringy for 10 team because of that batting average liability. Now I definitely like Peterson the best there because I do think I've been saying it all. I think he's going to run more. I think that uh, he's, he's just going to be a better player this year. Even if the batting average is a liability, I think it's going to be more of like a 230, 240 with good pop and decent speed. So he's my clear number one there, but let's focus on Santana first before we get into the other guys. Are you buying in on him? He's a prospect out of Houston who was traded in the Carlos Gomez deal. Playing time should is completely wide open for him. Keon Broxton was, again, making noise, but now he's back in the minors. Everything's, the runway is clear for Domingo Santana to play a ton. Do you buy in on him as somebody who can have kind of a breakout season? I, I do. I do like him. The only thing of, of the other names I mentioned that were mentioned there, the the catcher eligibility thing for Gaddis, which by the way is supposed to happen right this was something that's come out recently where they said you know what we're going to get him behind the dish a little bit more and it's probably the emergence of tyler white that is that is having this trickle down and be a fantasy benefit for us so that would be awesome if if, i'm not a Gaddis guy really but if he gets that catcher back you can't deny it because even no that's it i mean for me if he gets the catcher back this is a this argument's over and he's the number one on that list then Yes, I, I can listen that's to that. How bad, yep. that's, that's how bad Especially catching Especially AL catcher, like we were saying at the outset of the show. So that that makes sense for me. Now, as far as the uh, the split issue that, that Herb brought up, I would not freak out too much over it yet because we are talking about a 23-year-old who's still really trying to kind of get his footing. It's been bad again this year, as he mentioned, only 610 OPS against righties. But one thing I do like, and I think that uh, Milwaukee will be smart to do, is to actually give him the reps. Unlike the Mets, who think that Conforto can't hit lefties, so they're going to go ahead and bench him instead of giving him the playing time, 
the Brewers have the the um, luxury of the fact that they're not competing, so they can just let Domingo Santana play, be at the top of the lineup, and get some reps against righties because he's going to have to improve if he's going to pan out the way they want. So I, I, I would say stick with him. I do like him. Among that group, I, I can – I can amend my answer and say that if Gaddis has the catcher eligibility, yes, but I'm still taking Jock over him right at this moment. And then what about Santana versus Soler, though? How close are they for you? Um, Santana because he's got the clearer playing time path. Yes, I think that that's the, the correct answer. And the fact is, you know, it's not like Soler's hitting his way into the lineup. It, it, you know, small sample, blah, 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 but he's not he's not hitting well. And somebody like the the Cubs – they're going to be able to kind of look at, at the hot hand situation, whether it's predictive or not. Teams are still going to look at it. And somebody like Joe Madden, who is a lineup tinkerer, he's going to get Solaire some reps, but they're going to be fewer and, f- and further between if he doesn't start getting better. And, and right now it's, I, did it's they take better. him out. I mean, to, they've been what blowing guys out all weekend. They got a, a, <laughs> a, a plus 68, guy. a plus 68 run differential. So dumb. Did they, so good. did they even take out, Rizzo today is like when you look at so you're blowing them out again today. Yeah, Rizzo. No, Rizzo had four at bat, four at bats. So like, okay, you're winning nine nothing. You're trying to get guys uh, at bat, and Soler was one for five today, and you know not doing much. But why aren't you getting Baez? Baez pinch hit late in that game for the pitcher, and and that and he went in at first base after that. So they were they were willing to take out uh, take out Rizzo, but they were up eight nothing after three. Why is he at least coming in for like uh, in the sixth or seventh? Are you really worried that you can't shut down the Reds? <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, I, I, mean, know I took Jason Hamill all day long and, and DFS. Love Jason Hamill. Love Jason. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's all about health with him. If he can, he needs to stay healthy because the hamstring. Three and got, zero, three and zero with a point seven five year right so now. So good. It's so the the hamstring got him last year. Um, and, and injuries have been a problem for Jason Hamill, but if he stays healthy, I really do like him. Um, they are dominating so hard that their plus 68 run differential that you mentioned is more runs com- than nine teams have for themselves. Not their run differential. It's more than they've scored all like season. My team, I feel like my team's on that list. Your team is very much on that list with 65. Well, even after today, even after today with the eight runs and the five bombs they hit? Was it their 18th game? Are they 8 and 10? Is that updated? They are. Then they yes. Are then yes, it is, even with that. So that's Oakland, New York, Tampa Bay. So three AL teams right off the bat. Then Miami, Philly, Minnesota, Chicago, Atlanta, and then the Angels. Guess how many runs the Angels have scored in 19 games this year? 46. Little, you're a little bit aggressive there. 57. It was just still <laughs> vomit-inducing. It's very, very bad. Very well, bad. Uh, that, and, and the Braves, the team, have three home runs. Have I read that right? Yes. Yes, my buddy Darren's been been keeping me abreast of that. Whenever whenever somebody hits two homers in a game, he basically sends me an alert. You know, player X has a chance to tie the Braves' uh, home run total in this in this game here. It's really bad out there uh, with the Braves, and I it, it kind of fuels your your Freddie Freeman dislike. But uh, he has to get better. He just has. All right, to. So this isn't in the mailbag, but I because I mentioned the Rays today. How about? Big Mike Pineda, seven home runs allowed in 22 innings of work. I'm done with him. I've, I've been done you with him. You have to be. I'm, I'm just, I'm over it. 30 hits, 18 runs, 17 earned, seven bombs, but 27 strikeouts to five walks. That's, like today, the Rays no struck command. out. The race struck out 16 times today. It's still one by seven. You just cannot miss your spot that often. This is the same thing as last year. I'm not doing it again. I'm not going to sit there and bet on the comeback of, of his FIP or whatever. I'm just not doing it. I'm done with Pineda. I'm out. 
and it's I was un- one of his biggest backers last year. I'm done, and y'all. He looked bad. It's it's, it's done. Bad. It's done. And what what I mean by that is obviously AL only. I don't think you can cut him. That it, super deep leagues, it's too hard to cut somebody like that. But I'm talking 10, 12 team mixed. I am done. 15 team. I'm even kind of looking. I'm looking for some. If Drew Pomeranz is available, bye. See you, Pineda. I'll pick up Drew Pomeranz. That's that's where I'm at right now. So I, I'm 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 tired of it with Pineda. And I think we're gonna end on that. The the Pineda hate. We're gonna end on that because uh, it's just been it's just been too brutal. And I don't see anything that's going to change it. We've seen these big strikeout rates, the small walk rates, but then a million homers. Dude, throw better they strikes. Cheap, and they weren't cheap Yankee Stadium no. home runs either. They were bombs. They were jacks. I mean, Sousa gets Sousa two on his birthday. Way out. Yeah, with two on his birthday. Just hit one was a laser. It hit it so hard it couldn't even curve. Or, it couldn't curve in front of the foul pole. Uh, and then the one to the left was an absolute bomb. Is like the and then the uh, Dickerson hit a monster shot and uh, Stephen Pierce got him for one to Death Valley. It was just like shot after shot after shot and it was just loud contact coming through my my uh, television. It was a beautiful thing. I was gonna say you were enjoying the heck out of it. I, I don't well, have the rest of that series. Stupid. They should have won the entire series. They really should have won yesterday. That was a that was a really tough loss. Even the first run off of Snell was kind of a bummer when, you know, the the wild pitch that that was that was tough. But uh, we're gonna end on that. Great great episode. I really enjoyed it. Uh, let, let's, let me check out Henry Owens. Oh God, he's almost gonna finish the second inning without a strikeout. Okay, I guess you were right. There, aggression has begun. No, you're right. Listen, when you're right, you're right, and I'm gonna have to give up a home it. run too. Who do you give up a home run to? Marwin. Oh Marwin, there you go. That was one of your that was one of your sneaky purchases. They paid a little bit yeah, more than you wanted to, but uh, so, yeah. he'll be all right. He'll be all right. I put him on the bench this week. Oh man, I'm just I'm looking at the game logs for uh, Big Mike here. Um, I'm trying to find a good starting point to say, okay, I'm going to start here. Good God, it's just like there is no good starting no, point because it, it, and that's the thing too. Whenever wow. he gets going, whenever Michael Pineda kind of gets on a run, he ruins and 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 gets rid of all of it. And and in in a in a flash, and I remember last year starting last since the start of last season, thirteen and twelve with a four sixty eight ERA, but a one twenty seven WHIP. And you can go through and you strike can find out for great day. starts because he he will have great starts, but then he'll do something like three innings, eight runs against Philly, and those are the ones that are so unbelievably maddening. I'm like, how 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 are you doing that? So I'm I'm out before you work my blood pressure up anymore. We got to go. Because Michael like Pineda, like, this is actually he's like James Shields, gives up too many home runs, gets the strikeouts, doesn't have a good uh, actually has a perfect. good ratio, but the ERA is high because he yep. can't keep the ball in the park. That's a per- that's a perfect comparison, and um, you know both of them right now are just fringy guys in mixed leagues because homers are so damaging, and that's that's really the point here is that homers can just kill you so quickly. But anyway, we're gonna get out of here. Are you traveling anywhere this week? Uh, just a drive trip. I'm, I'm okay. actually going to get to go catch a minor league ball game in Asheville. That sounds great. Field where the uh, final scene of Bull Durham was filmed. Very cool. The tourists, right? The Asheville tourists. The Asheville tourists. I think they've got some good hats. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I, th- I feel like they have good hats. Anyway, we out. I'll talk to you next week, Jason. Take care. You too, man. Bye.